and uh, I will have to say it was a blast. We went down to the pool yesterday with all their kids, and that was awesome, all right? So anyway, it's good to have you, Christian, and uh, glad you're here. Um, let's just dive in uh, this morning, and uh, because I, I do believe it's one of those things that... Um, <clears throat> so let me just share this with you all very quickly. Uh, I hope all of you spend time with Jesus, all right? If you... If you don't, just pretend like you do just for me this morning, right? And uh, I hope you all spend time with Jesus. And I hope that when you spend time with Jesus, that you spend time with Jesus for, for, for the purpose of, of connecting with him, right? The purpose of hearing his voice. Uh, yeah, this morning, honestly, was, we were praying this morning before we came into service. And I had to, this, was, this was the prayer God gave me. As clear as day, he said, he said Steve, you've got to pray that, that I just ask that I would open up hearts because, and because they're blinded by their offense. They're blinded by their insecurities. They're blinded by their fear. They're blinded by their worries and they're blinded by their schedule and they can't see me. And I wonder how many people this morning, the first word I heard was they're blinded by their offense. They literally, people are so blinded by the offense that they're carrying that they can't own their own stuff, their own issues. And this is in the context of all of our relationships, isn't it? But they literally, isn't it sad to think that we literally come into church on Sunday morning, we're so blinded by our offense that we're not actually able to see Jesus. And do we know that breaks the heart of God? Because do you know how badly he wants to be seen by us? And this morning, and I felt like and this, I shared this actually with a group this week via email who just received the email going out. And I shared it with Jonathan and Christian uh, who were on the email and just said, I, I, believe that, um, that I believe that we're under assault. Right? This is, a, this is a, a precarious moment that we're in, a season, not just in vintage, but yes, vintage, but also the church as a whole. And I believe that God is speaking to each of us right in the moment to recognize to recognize. To recognize and be aware of the season that we are in, the moment that we're in as the church, as the people of God, as the as the people of God at vintage, that we are a people under assault. I mean, just go sit down with Gary for for 30 seconds. That's all it will take to see a family under attack. His wife having to go to the hospital four days in a row, finally admitted they have no idea what's going on, running a fever over 104 for an extended period of time for several days, right? It's crazy stuff. He's one of our elders, one of our leadership team. That we're under assault, that God's doing things. He's doing things in your families, isn't he? He's doing things in your, in your workplace. He's doing things in your marriage. The enemy is stirring. He's moving. He's moved, actively, actively moving at Vintage and Against Vintage. We are under assault. And so when we talk about living, and I don't say that to, to, to produce fear. I don't say it right to um, make us go, oh my gosh, and to cower. I simply say it because I think we have to be sober, right? We don't want to be drunk on offense. We want to be drunk on fear. We want to be sober in the spirit. You all know what sober means. We all know what that means. That we are aware. We are awake. We are clear of what's going on. And so God is speaking, saying this is a, a moment of sobriety, a moment of, of releasing these things that are blinding us from seeing Jesus. 
And so as we step in this morning, I'm going to talk about the nature. You know, Scott last week talked about faith, and I'm going to kind of just tag on to that. We're going to look at primarily one verse and kind of just open it up a little bit this morning. But, but in our journey to our real life, we have to be a people, right, who are sober. We've been being who God created us to be in the moment, right, and doing what God's called us to do in every moment. We're living sober. We're living awake. We're living aware to the movement of God's Spirit. We're dying to the things, right, that the enemy is assaulting us with he's attacking us with we're allowing our hearts to be awakened to the things that are literally hindering us from jesus and so we have to be aware of the assault one of the great assaults that we all experience in life right is an is an assault upon our faith an assault upon our faith and this is a definition that i wrote down it's on the screen faith represents that deep and abiding trust and belief that jesus loves us he is good and that he is for us. Let's leave that there for a moment. Faith represents the deep and abiding trust and belief that Jesus loves us, that he is good and that he is for us at all times and in every situation. Everybody say every. Every situation represents every situation. In every moment of life, every place you find yourself, every article you find yourself reading in every moment, no matter what's going on around us, what's going on in the world, faith represents that deep and abiding trust and belief that Jesus loves us in the world, right? That he is good and that he is for us in every situation at all times. Scott had a great quote last week. Gary put it in one of his emails. He says, the world says, talking about faith, the world says seeing is believing, but in the spiritual world, believing is seeing. This nature of belief that, that I am believe and trust that God is good. And it's as if I, in this context of, of then awakens my eyes to see him and to know that he is good. I encourage you to listen to his message from last week. God is good in the midst of every situation. And this morning, I want to look at, I want to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It's a one simple verse. I'll give you the context of it when I, when I dive into it. But it says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. The idea is it's not circumcision or uncircumcision. But it's faith. What matters is faith working through love. Paul, in the context, see the verse up for a moment. Paul's speaking in the context. And he's talking about our freedom in Christ. The freedom that we now have in Christ. And he says, in, the, in our relationship, the freedom that we have in relationship with him. And he comes and says, listen, guys, the argument is not about circumcision or uncircumcision. It's not about the things that you do, right? It's not about the acts that you perform. What it really matters, what really matters here is faith. Working through love. You see the marriage of these two words. I, I don't know if a lot of you probably go on BibleGateway.com. It's just a great resource online, right? A free resource. It has all these different translations of the Bible, all these commentaries, all this free stuff. A lot of you have probably used it, right? So BibleGateway.com, write it down, go use it. It's great for your own time with the Lord and all that kind of stuff, right? So I just I go in and I type in the phrase faith. And love. I just put that in. Faith and love into the subject bar, right? And I press enter, and 60 verses pop up immediately of faith 
and love. These two words working together. About half, it's like half and half. Half of them in the Old Testament, half of them in the New Testament, right? And, as I, and, I, and it's this idea that, that faith and, and love in Scripture again and again and again and again are intertwined and married together. And this week, as I was reading through Galatians chapter 5, I, I, I read this verse and it halted me. Not haunted, halted, right? Halted and it stopped me. As in, I'm reading it and I stop and I have to reread it again. And again, and again, it halts me in the moment. I'm like, Jesus, there's something in this moment, right? The intertwining of these words of faith and love being married together in Scripture. This is important. 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love says, faith without love, it's worthless, right? Faith without love, it's worthless. If I have a faith that does not express itself, is not working through love, it's a worthless Type faith, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight, tells us to put on faith and love as a breastplate. First Thessalonians, you can write that down, five eight, just says, Faith and love acts as a breastplate. Isn't that interesting? Breastplate, what does it guard? Here, your heart. Faith and love intertwined together are the very thing that guard our hearts, which ultimately then guards our mind. The idea of Scripture is that faith and love have a marriage together, an intricately intertwined relationship, that that together there's a guarding and protection that must happen, must take place. They must be intertwined together. You can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. And I would argue that faith this morning, and here this argument is important. This is kind of the, the basis of this morning. I would argue that faith is the outgrowth of love. Faith is birth in and out of love. That without love, there is no faith. If we truly have love in our hearts, We will express faith. What do we say faith was? That deep and abiding trust and belief that Jesus loves us, he is good, and that he is for us. If we express faith, it's because love has been birthed in our hearts. What matters is faith and love together. Faith birthed out of love. So with this in mind, I want to just... Recognize something very, something very clearly about the nature of love. That love in our lives, the kind of a foundation here, that love is expressed in our lives in three ways. A, we experience Jesus' love. B, we love Jesus in return. And C, we love others. This is the equation. A leads to B, which leads to C. We experience the full nature and the full breadth of Jesus' love in our lives. When we do that, when, when Jesus loves us, what do we then do in response? We're so loved, we find ourselves expressing love back to Him, and as we do that, it then leads us to love others. And so this morning then, that's where we begin, this nature of understanding that God's love for us 
Uh, God's love for us is ultimately the first beginning place. It's what grounds our relationship with him. We are able to love, Scripture tells us, because he first loved us, right? You've heard that before. We're able to love because he first loved us. So the grounding place, the beginning part of our relationship with Jesus begins in the context of understanding his love for us. And I would argue that this simple yet earth-shattering and profound reality causes something to happen inside of us. When I experience the full nature of God's love, when I'm awakened to it, it gives birth to faith. It gives birth to faith. Think about it. Scripture tells us, what? It says, by faith that you have been saved, right? It's not your actions. It's our faith and our trust in Jesus. Our faith that, that he did what he said he did, right? We have faith that Jesus was born, that he lived, he died for our sin, and that he was resurrected, right? Our faith, we have faith in Jesus' action on the cross. Well, Scripture tells us very clearly in 1 John 3.16 This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, expressing his love. So here's what I'm getting at this morning. The birthplace of our understanding God's love is the action of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The cross of Jesus. And so this morning, what, we're, what, I, what I want you to see this morning is that when that our salvation occurs in the moment we have faith, birth out of understanding God's love for us. Do you see that, right? Uh, what, what do I have faith in? Well, I have faith in Jesus. Well, exactly what? Well, that he lived, he died, and he was resurrected. All I'm getting at this morning is simply this. Jesus' cross and resurrection is what we have to believe to have faith in for salvation. And I'm simply telling you, you don't have faith just in the cross, resurrection, and his cross and resurrection. What you actually have faith in is the expression of his love for you. When you see it, you go, that, according to 1 John 3, is what love is. I'm telling you that the moment of salvation is because you become aware, not just that someone in history died on a cross and was raised, you believe in that moment that God loves you and he expressed it on the cross and it gives rise to faith in your life. So so it doesn't make any sense to you. Like, listen to the message. You can type my notes. I'll give them to you. All I'm really saying is that what caused you to have salvation was that you believed Jesus loved you with everything inside of him. That's what you're believing. You're not believing a historical event. You're believing that God expressed the fullness of his love into your life. It overwhelmed you. And then you had faith in him. Our faith finds its source in one place. Our clear understanding and conviction of God's love for us and his life, his death, and his resurrection. Faith found its source in God's undeniable love for us. 
I mean, we, we understand this practically. Like my kids, even to this day, they're 10 and 11 years old, and they will still stand on a high precipice of death and jump and expect me to save them. At 10 and 11, I'm not that strong, right? Praise God, they're still little, right? But, like, they will stand on this high precipice of death, like a bed or something, right? Or the, up the stairs. And they'll say, Dad. And I'll go, I'll go, what? Catch me. And I'm like, duh, right? And, I, and what do we do, dads? We, we catch them most of the time, right? Or at least, by God, we're going to try as hard as we can, aren't we? Well, what, yes, unless they've been really bad that day. I'm just kidding, not saying, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But, but that whole, but seriously, what do you do? You jump in, you catch. Why? Why do you catch them? Well, because you don't want them to get hurt. Why? Because you love them. Why do they have faith in you when they jump? Not because of your history of circumstances of catching them. They jump because they know that you love them and that you will catch them. If somebody else, if somebody else they don't know says jump, they go, where's my dad? <laughs> right? Or where's my mom? There's that whole dynamic of like, they're going to jump into anybody's arms. They're going to jump into the person's arms that they have faith in. Why? Because they know that we love them with everything inside of us. We jump in faith. To believe what we cannot see. I'm telling you because ultimately he's expressed the fullness of his love to us. And we've embraced it. We have faith birthed out of his undeniable love for us. Your faith in Christ. Listen, I would say this this morning and hear this. Your faith in Christ is in proportion to your understanding of God's overwhelming and powerful love expressed by Jesus. Your faith is in, in Christ is in proportion to your understanding of God's overwhelming and powerful love expressed in the person of Jesus in your life. You have faith because you know His love for you. So our response, we've already said it, our response is that we will, in, in, in return, we will love Jesus. 1 John 5, 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, whoever loves the Father, loves the child born of Him. But that we believe and we love Jesus. So we receive love and then in turn, we love Him back, right? Our love from God births faith, a deep abiding resting and trust in Jesus, right? We, we, we are loved by Him. We in turn love Him back. So remember the equation, A, we experience Jesus' love, B, we love Jesus in return, which leads to we love others. So Jesus' love for us causes, causes us to love him and awakens a deep faith in him. My children know that I love them, so they jump, right? They know that I love, so they exp- express a great faith, right? Therefore, in our lives, and hear this, this is important. We've built this foundation. Faith is birthed out of, our, out of Jesus loving us and us being awakened to it. Okay? Which means then, and hear this, faith is not circumstantial. Faith is not based on our circumstances. 
faith is not based on God doing the things that he's supposed to do in our lives that we were told that if we become a Christian, we're going to be happy the rest of our days of our life. Faith is not driven by circumstances around us. Instead, our faith is in spite, a lot of times, of all that's going on. Our foundation is unshakable. God is good no matter what is happening. This is the nature of faith. Listen, we've all probably read Hebrews 11. If you've never read it, I'll just kind of give you this, the, the Cliff Notes version. The first 34 and a half verses are talking about great circumstances, difficult moments of God breaking in and doing victorious type things, right? You see, you see, uh, you see uh, Moses and the splitting of the Red Sea, the, the, the walls of Jericho coming down, Abraham and, and Sarah believing God, right? And Isaac being born and being the, the father of, the, of many, many, many generations of people, right? There's this beautiful, beautiful stories of, of victory. It's like, it's literally the stories that many of our movies are made about. Just this past year, Noah came out, right? It's a great story of victory. We love these stories. First 34 and a half verses of Hebrew 11, man, they were designed for Hollywood, Great victories. Difficulty which leads to great victories. Right? Freedom coming. All this type of stuff. Hollywood stuff. We love it, right? These great, listen, difficult moments, but great circumstances. And in our lives, we love Hebrews chapter 11, the first 34 and a half verses. We talk about our own, this we had our own moment of our Red Sea splitting in our life and God moving, right? We talk about our own personal walls of Jericho coming down when we prayed and believed Him, right? We had these great moments, right, that we, we talk about and these great stories of faith, right, of God moving in power. These great circumstances of God expressing His love through our circumstances. And then all of a sudden we come down to the last four and a half verses. Which of the writer of Hebrews was, I'm really glad he ended here, sort of. This is what it says. You can read along with me on the screen. Hebrews 11, 34, excuse me, 35b. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, in the name of, because of their belief in Jesus, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. This is not great stuff, right? This is not like fun, great stuff. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes of the ground. Verse 39. These were all commended for their faith. Do you see the, the great assault that happens on the heart and the mind if this were you? Like, could you just put yourself in that verse for a moment, those verses? Like, what if all of a sudden you were transported to another country? And you think Nigeria, where these women literally are being are being captured and forced into the sex trade just in the last few weeks, right? Imagine if you put yourself in their shoes in the moment, right? Because of their faith in Jesus. They're taken. Put yourself here in the moment, right? All of a sudden, circumstances are not the first 34 and a half verses. This is difficult. 
This is overwhelming. I'm, I'm, I'm under assault. I'm under attack. It is overwhelming. In these moments, isn't, isn't these, aren't these the moments where faith really has to, to be faith? Isn't it? In your own hardship, your own assault, your own difficulty. It's in that faith is easy and there's nothing really coming against you, is there? Faith is really easy and there's nothing actually testing your faith. It's really easy to be a Christian when nothing's assaulting it, but we think that there should be no assault because we are Christians. But Scripture tells us very clearly, God pours rain on the believer and the unbeliever, and He gives sun on the unbeliever and the believer, right? On both of us. We believe He is sovereign. We believe that He is in control. When we can see and experience victory and breakthrough in our lives, when it comes to difficulty and tragedy, whether in our lives or around us, we question, does he, really, does he really love? And if he really does love us. In this moment, in this moment, we all of a sudden have a, we had the moment of testing. What is the source of our faith? Is it in our circumstances of God loving us only by giving victory or in circumstances expressed in Hebrews 11? The first 34 and a half verses. Do you love God and express faith and worship with all of your heart? Do you give Him everything in the moments of, of sunniness? What do you do when it rains? What do you do when it storms? See, these are the moments where all of a sudden faith is, is awakened to us. We recognize where we are, right? Love and faith, right? Love, faith without love is worthless. Why? Because it doesn't serve us at all. What do we do in these moments? The sign of a true understanding of God's love and true faith, the the sign that that God's love has permeated the very core of who we are and and awakened a true nature of faith, right? That love's awakened this, this deep and abiding trust and belief that Jesus loves us, that He is good and that He is for us, right? In those moments, right? In that place of this true sign is that we say something like this, like Job, though you slay me, still I will follow. Though you slay me, still I will follow. Doesn't mean it won't be difficult. Doesn't mean that that you won't wrestle. Doesn't mean that you won't have questions for God. Doesn't mean you won't even wrestle with God. But it does mean in the end you know you're going to let Him win. Doesn't it? And the wrestling and the struggling, I'm going to have have an honest conversation with you, God. I'm going to have a, a moment of tension where I'm just questioning so much like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus in his moment recognized, but, but you love me, so your will be done. See, Jesus' faith in his father was not because of the circumstances of his life and his moment he was about to go through. It was birthed out of his understanding that God, his father, loved him with everything inside of him. And so what we have to, what we have to find in ourselves in these the words of Job, though he slay me, still I will follow because he loves me, he's for me, he's moving in me. The sign is that we have an unoffendable heart before God. You see, offense is the assault of the enemy to blind us from relationship, 
with others and Jesus. We must have an unoffendable heart because of the awakening of God's love inside of us, which births a faith that jumps and has faith in Him when everything is crumbling around us. A story I heard from our good friend Tammy Hutchins in India. She just tells a story in her book of, uh, of, of a friend of hers who had left America, she and her husband and their two kids. I forget how old they were, but they were fairly young. And they go to Sri Lanka. They had sold everything, left everything, committed to go, committed to the Lord. They were going to stay, right? They get into Sri Lanka, and they've been there about six months, and her husband his husband gets sick, gets sick, and he had to have pain in his body, so they immediately got in, the, in their car or the taxi, went to the taxi, got in the taxi, actually, and went to the hospital. And while they're there, he got treatment, and finally one day the doctor says, hey, your husband's going to be fine. He's getting better. I want to encourage you. Why don't you go ahead and go home, get a good night's rest. Why don't you come back tomorrow, pick him up, and you can take him home. And she breathed a sigh of relief. She and the kids got in the car, headed back to their home. In the middle of the night, the doctor calls and says, he died. Tammy's, I mean, she's hearing the story from this woman. This woman had come to her home and was just sharing a story about her life. And, and Tammy's like, what did you do? And she said, I, I was overwhelmed. It was devastating. And you can imagine putting yourself in her shoes, right? I was devastated. She said, I gathered my kids, called a taxi, we got in. She said, I'm just, since the Lord's presence, I closed the door and I looked at them. I said, children, look at me. And she said, eyeball to eyeball, God is good. He is for us. We will trust in him. And we will not be offended. God is good. He is for us. We will trust in Him. And we will not be offended. You see, this is simply a picture of a woman who so clearly knew the love of God for her that it produced a deep faith that caused her then to love God not only in the good, but in whatever life threw at her. Her faith and love for Jesus was not just based on experience in the first 34 and a half verses of Hebrews 11 and the sunny days that God would bring. It also included the last four and a half. Faith is birthed out of love. And they must be intertwined. You want, listen, do you want your faith to grow? Then simply fall in love with Jesus even more so than you are now. Reading your Bible does not produce faith. Just praying is not going to produce faith inside of you. But if I pray and I read Scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to awaken, this is what I pray, listen, almost every day. Holy Spirit, give me the grace, your ability today to love Jesus the way the Father loves Him. 
And I pray at the same time, and Jesus, awaken me to, be, to know your love in the same way you knew the Father's love. Do you see the, the both of those? And so for us in our life, I could sit here and, listen, I could try to go all practical and give you all these steps that you need to take, and, and they may be helpful. But I want to tell you the only thing that's going to awaken this type of faith in your life is by you dying to the offense that you carry, getting in with Jesus, and saying, I need you to awaken love inside of me that produces this faith that I will jump from any deadly precipice and to believe you. That's the only thing that will work, my friends. That's the only thing. Spending time with him, asking him to awaken you to his love. That will require healing for some of you because you've been so offended and so hurt by things that have happened you just can't even... Receive love. You've sinned so greatly. You've felt sinned against it. Just like it's put up a wall. You need to ask, need healing. Ask God to break it down. But only He can do that. This morning, there is an assault on every single one of our hearts and our minds. Love and faith married together, but ultimately birthed from our awakening to God's love for us through the death and resurrection of His Son. That's where it starts. And this morning, we we're going to invite Christian to come and lead us back in worship. But some of us this morning, I would say all of us this morning, need to engage Jesus in the way of saying, God, Awaken love in me that I may know your love fully. That Jesus, I would know the Father's love in the way that you knew the Father's love. We have ministry teams available. They'd love to pray for you. If you're struggling at all in receiving God's love for you, then we simply want to pray and ask God to, to awaken that inside of you. We need grace. We need His ability. Grace is simply Him doing something that we can't do ourselves. But He can because He's God. And so this morning, let's pray together and invite you to respond as the Lord leads. Father, as we come into this moment of worship, Father, we're worshiping You because You are worthy of all glory, all honor, because of what You've already done. If You do nothing else, it's enough. You died. For us. Because of your love for us. Jesus, I'm asking this morning that you would awaken love inside of each of us. God, I pray this morning, God, as you have been praying this week, God, for those who are carrying offense, those who are just carrying frustration and difficulty, God, those who are carrying great weights, Lord, that are too much, I pray, Jesus, that you would meet them this morning. That's the good news of the cross of Christ. You came to, de 
to defeat the things inside of us, Lord, that are stealing, they're stealing joy and stealing your love from us, God. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Pray this in Jesus' name.